What's up, everybody? This is Grant at Cause Artist. Welcome to episode 42 of the Disruptors for Good podcast. Today, we are speaking with Mark Angelo Coppola, the founder of Valhalla Farms. And the best way to explain Valhalla Farms is that it's a 60 plus acre uh, farmland, about 20 minutes north of Montreal, downtown Montreal, Canada. And his vision for um, this farmland is quite incredible. He bought this farmland, which was sort of diminished, you know, it it had been filled with pesticides and, and filled with uh, decades of, you know, GMO seeds and, and pesticides and really ruining the soil, right? And essentially ruining the land. When, when he bought the land, there was nothing growing at all, right? So part of his vision is that we had, they had to enrich the soil back, right? They had to, to basically bring the land back to life to create his ultimate vision of creating a really modern sustainable eco-community village oasis uh, filled with homes, filled with uh, educational campus, greenhouses, a sort of traveler's visitor center. And and it's really centered around um, education, right? And organic foods and fresh foods, a community, right? Building a self-sustainable community um, outside of a major city. Um, And can it be done, right? Do, Do people sort of want that right do and he thinks yes i mean he has gotten tons of support um locally globally he has been successful in a lot of his previous ventures as well and so that sort of paved the way for him to start this and really have an entrepreneurial mindset of stepping into farming right which he absolutely knew nothing about (laughs) right that's what's also fascinating is that you know he's jumping into a very difficult skill set uh, to learn and, and to maintain. And he's just learned it from scratch, you know, and he has been amazing at doing so and, and bringing people together from around the world to come to come see the land, um, come see the sort at its sort of foundational level of what this community will look like, what this eco community, eco village will look like once completed. So the dream is, is very, very big. Um, and I love big dreams. I love big visions. And Mark has that. Um, so I really hope that you kind of discover a lot in this episode. It was it, we dive deep into to what it's like to just really get out of your comfort zone and and take a bet on yourself, right? And, and look at the opportunities around you and invest in your in your basically your your local community, right? And build something incredible that can be self sustaining, uh, can bring people in from around the world to see how things can be done differently, how we can build things differently, how real estate can be done more sustainably, how farming can be done more sustainably, how education can be done in a way where we teach the skills of sustainability to the next generation. And uh, it's, a, it's a great, it's, it's just a great story and it's a great vision. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. As always, uh, you can email me with any questions or requests, grant at causeartist.com. Hope everybody has a great week. Um, Hope everybody has a great day today. And I'll see you next week. So how I like to, to sort of start these things is is talk a little bit about the journey up to the point where a person really decides to to really take a deep dive into what might be their their life's work or right or, or something that they really want to to leave behind, so to speak. And it feels like Valhalla is that, right? For you. It's sort of totally. been uh, a long road and journey up to this point to finally start to um, have some realization in a lot of it and it started coming to life. So, I mean, you could kind of start as far back as you want, but let's just sort of lay a precursor for uh, for Valhalla and how it got to, to the point that you really wanted to, to create it. Valhalla for me is, 
it really came out of a moment of desperation that I was having because in my life I had faced an identity crisis. And that Mm -hmm. identity crisis came when the convergence of me selling my first ever business, which I had bought into at 18. It was a kind of an indoor skate park that was failing. uh, And I bought in and I became a 50% owner of it and, uh, you know, had a crazy overhead and all these things. I, I basically was selling my first business, which at the time was like, it really felt like it was my first baby. It really, uh-huh, right. you know what I mean? Like Tough. as an entrepreneur, you're you you, you, it's, you you're giving birth to this thing and you're working full time with it. Um, and, and it was such a, a, a powerful change for me. And then there's the other identity that I had had since I was literally like in kindergarten, which was that I was a student, right? Mm. I was also a student full time. And so at the convergence of me graduating, as well as me selling my business, I, I basically faced like, what am I going to do with my time? Right. Uh-huh. What am I going to do in my life? Where, where, where is this going? I had all this direction and, you know, I, I went to school for finance and accounting, but then ended up yeah. switching into entrepreneurship and marketing. And it really shifted and changed directly into where this could, where this could go, what this means and what this looks like. And, and for me, it was such a, an important leap. And so I started to ask myself this question, you know, what would it look like if I lived with all my best friends? Like what, mm. what kind of amazing opportunity would I create if I were to buy like an apartment building and literally have all the coolest stuff in that apartment building? And that's really where it, it kind of began. And, and over time, you know, I took on this challenge as I graduated from university. I was going to watch a documentary a week, every single week for 52 weeks straight. The biggest thing is that that I learned from that is. Number one, there is a lot of doom and gloom out there. I mean, watching a (laughs) documentary a week is very, very, very challenging. And in fact, that was kind of the biggest takeaway that I could say that I get from all of it is that we have a narrative problem, right? There's so many people talking about the problem of climate change, the problem of the vanishing of the bees, the problem of anything, uh, because the problem is such a better headline. And, and, you know, as somebody like yourself who writes, who writes articles and content and all that stuff, you know, it's, it's no stranger to you that obviously things that are polarizing or things that, you know, created a generated really good headline uh, are going to get more clicks and therefore are incentivized. Why? Through, you know, the, just the systems of the way blogs work and all of this stuff flows. And so in all forms of content, I realized that we had this, this massive narrative problem. And it, and it felt so real to me when I heard the statistic a few years later, uh, where I really cemented that this was really happening was that there was 80 articles about the problem of climate change for every one about the solution. Right, right. And so for me, the that narrative issue, that problem that we had to kind of recognize that we, in a sense, were part of, of the problem in not only the way we consume content, but also in the way we live our lives, uh, deeply, deeply, deeply inspired me to ask a question, what would it look like to live an epic life, but also live a self-sustainable one? And that... For me, meant having your own uh, access to clean water. That meant right. being able to grow your own food. That meant being able to generate your own power. That meant uh, being able to, you know, uh, teach your own kids and have a, you know, a school of some kind. <laughs> that meant so many layers of things, and it felt incredibly overwhelming. And I knew nothing about building community and farming and sure. earthships yeah. and solar panels and <laughs> any of those things. Like I absolutely nothing about those elements. But I was able to walk out into the middle of a GMO corn and soya field that I, I basically knew was for sale. I didn't own at the time, but I knew it was for sale. Uh, and I, I planted a tree and and literally said that I would build a community I wish I could have grew up in both physically and digitally and that I would build the school I wish I could have gone to both mm. physically and digitally. 
And that's the day that Valhalla was born. And I didn't know it. I didn't really call it Valhalla even at the, at the beginning. I, I didn't know exactly how I was going to do it, but I figured I would start. And that led to the craziest rabbit hole of all time where <laughs> I ended up moving out of my parents' basement uh, into a house with somebody who I had never met in person. Um, you know, I, I spoke to from California who ran a, an amazing blog uh, called High Existence, which is still in existence today, but he's no longer running it. Um, but long story short, it's like I, I, I leaped with two feet in, you know, I would even say head first, you know, into this, into this, this movement that again, I did not realize I was going to be a part of stewarding, uh, particularly here in Montreal. And as all of those things are going on, I mean, the, you know, this is immediately after, or very soon after um, things like Occupy Wall Street. This is, yeah, this yeah. is, you know, right after the financial crisis, a few years later. So there's lots of distrust in the system. There's lots of challenges. There's lots of people reeling at the, at the at, you know, the pains and the shock that happened in our, in our global financial system, that there's a lot of dissent and there's a lot of people looking for alternatives. And I was just one of those people who was making it happen. And, you know, we did some cool shit. Like we, we brought, <laughs> Uh, Michael Reynolds, uh, the founder of Earthships, which are these buildings built out of tires, bottles, and cans yeah. in Montreal. And we did a conference. And then we built an Earthship. Then we, yep. we did a, a, a whole you know crowdfunding campaign to raise 10 grand to build an Earthship greenhouse. And we ended up raising 28, which, you know, that doesn't sound that like amazing now, but this is this is the beginning of Kickstarter. Like this is like Kickstarter yeah. is probably a year or two old tops. And, and so to do that, at the time was so massive to do, you know, I started creating memes and, and honestly, I don't know that many people that were creating memes at the time. Now it's mm-hmm. everyone's talking, you know, sure, memery sure. is, is, is literally a thing. Um, but we were creating quote memes and memes all the time. And, and, and w- I started documenting the entire process, right. From day one, when we went, when he showed up at the land, there was nothing there. I, I filmed that. And yeah. I filmed us planting I, the I trees and all yeah. the stuff. Yeah. yeah. So what's the, for people who, I mean, it's, I guess it, it's probably easy to explain and very hard to explain, right? On what <laughs> totally. sort of the vision is, but I guess sort of where it's starting, right? Right now, like what one, what's the grand vision, right? Of yeah. the land and the ecosystem. Yep. And then, but the two, where are we sort of at, like right now? Absolutely. Yeah. So the movement I'm talking about is called the Bahala movement. Okay. This is this vision that, again, started with my own personal journey towards what it would take to build this community, but recognizing that we needed to build a community. And so the the vision came through some of the research I had done around like studies uh, uh, around something called Dunbar's number, which is that at about 150 people, tribes, indigenous tribes and, 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 and groups are able to fully trust and build relationships with one another. But after 150 people, kind of these relationships start to break down. Mm. And so the ideal tribe size, in a sense, is about 150 people big. And so my goal was to build a 150-person self-sustaining community just outside of a major city center. So in our case, we're just outside of downtown Montreal. I'm I'm Mm. literally in old Montreal right now. And the farm that we're talking about, Valhalla's farm, is 20 minutes away from where I'm I'm sitting. Um, So so it's literally the closest eco-village to a city center that I know of. Because most eco-villages are like, you know, an hour uh, or or four hours out or whatever it is. So it's super rare. And and this city center and this eco-village is literally bordering suburbia. And so... My goal was to say, what would it look like to, to build that? 
uh, into a 150 person community that is fully self-sustainable, that is off grid in a sense, but, but also connected to the grid. Meaning right. we can right. still have all the connections to the internet and power and all that stuff, but we don't need it. Right. Mm. That's, that's the goal. That was at least the, the initial idea. And that this was a research center, almost like a sandbox for building like almost like an incubator for startup ideas for, for talented individuals who want to build the alternative. Yep. Um, and in many ways, honestly, uh, when it first started and, and even today, it's kind of our version of Fight Club. You know, it's less, <laughs> it's less like crazy. You know, we're not going into, into town and bombing places, uh, but we were going into like suburbia and doing what we called guerrilla gardening. Right, which was like taking fruit trees and planting them in the middle of parks without asking for permission. Gorilla um, gardening. Gorilla gardening. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, why not? Right, like it's like if you yeah, want yeah. something to happen, why are you going to wait for right. the government to, to create it? They're just not. Wow. Yeah. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. Love and, that. and so we were using our, uh, we were just using our imagination and and our ability to be a really great community to to make amazing content. But this is again before content was like a strategy. This was just right. Us documenting what we were doing and having a a blast doing it. And so the goal is to build about, you know, 30 homes, off-grid homes that my mom and the mayor would love, right? So things that like look awesome, feel awesome, feel modern, feel um, interesting, have all the, the, the things that I love to do. Like, I, I, I'm a huge fan of YouTube. I'm a fan of podcasts, of course. So I wanted to be able to do all of that stuff alongside the most badass people, uh, you know, men and women uh, that, that, that I could find. Sure. And, and it took off. It took off. Like, I mean, we went viral multiple times. We, we made an article called 10 Reasons Why Earthships Are Fucking Awesome. I mean, uh-huh. we, we did all kinds of stuff uh, that really just went around the globe many times over. And so it, it, it started mushrooming. And we learned about permaculture. Then we learned about the challenges of permaculture. We learned about earthships. Then we learned what it takes to build earthships and get permits for earthships, which we were able <laughs> to get the first ever permit for earthships in Quebec. Um, and so then, and the way that the law works here is that if you can get one permit, then everyone else can now have the same the same thing. They can basically make uh, a variation of that same thing. So we paved the way. And then by the second we did it, we know about, like, I know about like five or six other earthships that were built right after us because we had paved the way for others in Quebec. So it, it's really amazing what you're able to do when a group of dedicated people living together in a house or, or, or you know, working together both digitally and physically start to bring a vision to life. And And in this case, we're talking about you know, 66 acres of land that we are, that is usable, mm. that, that we are touching and, and, and fully GMO corn. Like I'm talking Monsanto, you know, pesticide sprayed corn for 25 plus years, probably. That sort of bringing that back to life, right? Bringing Bring, that back yeah, to life. Yeah, exactly. Starting with the soil, which again, I knew nothing about, but recognizing that farming now, now knowing that farming isn't just about the plants that are above the ground. It's about farming really rich soil and microorganisms. Yeah. So yep. Yeah, I I went to the school of 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 life, and, and and when I say life, like biology, in a sense, through this project, and the vision is really to just bring that to to fruition. So, so the sixty six acres right yes. now, mm-hmm. what's what's on it right now, and what because I don't think the school isn't built yet, right? There's there's no. other things that are there in the process; they're, they're in process or finished, and then other things will come totally. as time comes. Yeah. So here's where it's at. We started in 2012. Okay. Uh, the, the, the farm was barren. Literally there was nothing there. Okay. Not even a plant was growing and, and totally flat. Honestly, it actually, where we started has like flooding issued in the spring because of all the runoff of all the other fields that are in the area. Um, and then long story short, 
uh, we transformed it into a permaculture farm. We actually raised the soil six feet uh, in certain cases to deal with the flooding. We dug a pond. We made chicken coops. We put an earthship on there. We built a solar shed with all our power tools and, and, and you know, uh, we, we dug a well, which so now we have water because there's no city sewer or water, even though we're right outside of the major city uh, center. We're just on the edge of self-sustainability in a sense, right? Like where, where you can get all that access without having to take this, um, you know, I don't know, chemical laced or, or chlorine laced water from uh, from the city. Right. So now we're, we're, what's happening is we started on a two and a half acre piece of that. And at this point, currently, we're maybe touching or working on about i want to say like eight not even eight acres seven acres maybe we're touching and effectively maybe farming like two okay over eight years of you know no loans no financing no none of that we've been able to kind of slowly but surely build up the soil uh to become now what is organic soils we're not certified organic but that's what we're doing this year Sure. With the idea of building a fully functioning farm, okay, a fully functioning cooperative farm specifically, which one person would vote, and the idea of building housing for farmers or for families that are interested in having a farm, but also living a modern day lifestyle. So maybe one of the you know family members is a far, you know participating in the farm and the activities of the community, right. and maybe the other has a you know quote unquote normal job, right? Whatever that means. So. That is the, 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 the goal, is really to build an education center at the hub, at the center of a thriving community of about 30 homes um, with, at its core, a farm being the, uh, the core principle. And to me, a farm doesn't just have to mean that we grow tomatoes, uh, tomatoes and, and, and vegetables, but it can also be kind of an ed- education center, uh, tourism center of sorts, uh, right. and, and, and you know, really being a, a beacon of of information for others to seek how to transition out of a life that is quote unquote unsustainable, you know, because if everyone lived like the average American, for example, we would need 4.1 planets to survive. And mm-hmm. this is in 2011 study levels. Right. Then uh, Canada does no better. We would need five planets to survive at the same, the same, you know, level just because of the per capita side of things. Uh, there's just way more Americans, but all, all just all that to say is that it, it's an, it's a giant experiment. I yeah. know nothing about farming when I first started. I knew nothing about farming when I first started. And now I've learned it over time. So how could I build uh, alongside a, a community of amazing people, a community and a space and a farm that actually changes that learning curve, that actually addresses that learning curve in a very, very, very powerful way. And building that education center, building that community center uh, is, is an important piece. And for now, um, this year, our goal is to build the first house, and that's going to be my mm-hmm. house. I'm, I'm going to be a full time farmer. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be my you house. Got to, right? You got to, you got to be, you got to lead the way, right? I mean, I think it's it's Absolutely. only it, it, it only makes sense for you to sort of like you planted the first tree. You need to plant the first home and and be and be there as the oh, you know absolutely. as the captain, you know, so to speak, and and really just uh, start. I think once people, so so I guess the house will be will that be at earthship as well we got to go back to that word because it's just one of yeah the we will. Of all time so will it be a quote-unquote earthship or will it be made out of uh, different materials no and- so it won't be an earthship um and the reason for not being an earthship is when the the reality is is earthships are, are really great they have some challenges in terms of humidity and those kinds of things they're, but they're very cool they're very effective and and they're a great cool interesting building but the the resale value of something like that is very hard 
right? You sure. need to find a very specific person who wants to buy it. It's hard to finance, right? Get a mortgage and try and go build an ownership. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more oh. difficult to do. And then, and then the reality is that I, I always say that if, if my mom and the mayor can't love it, and I say the, mm-hmm. my mom and the mayor, because at the end of the day, if we're going to build a movement, we, we need the mayor of every town to be interested in having this kind of you know building and this kind of structure happen in their county. And we also need moms who are generally, you know, the, the stewards of the house, right? right. I, I would say women generally are, are more the people who are interested in the, 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 the physicality, the, 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 the decor of a home, the, the, the look and feel of a home, uh, and what even makes a home in a sense. And, and if, if it doesn't appeal to those two people, and then therefore to investors who want to sell homes to those two people uh, and in those two areas, then in reality, um, it's just not going to be a viable movement. And so I actually, in the process of building Valhalla, started two other businesses, uh, one which was called Build Your Wisdom, which is no longer an operation, which is to design these right. exact homes, homes that were fully off grid, but looked like modern day homes. And you would never even know it necessarily, other than the fact that they would have solar panels and stuff on the roof. And, and two, which is called Superior Academy, which was to teach people the skills of entrepreneurship, or what I would rather call fill entrepreneurship and mm-hmm. digital storytelling to build movements and to build projects like this, because so many people would come to our farm asking how they can do this too. So all that to say, our goal now is to build kind of a I want to say it's almost like an off-grid ready home, meaning okay. it's not going to be off-grid, um, but it will have all the capacity for doing that. It will be really well insulated. It's going to have really good um, materials that are, you know, recyclable or, or, um, or uh, you know, environmentally responsible and not uh, pollutants. Uh, you know, it's not going to be built with a bunch of plastics and uh, chemicals and, and other things. It's really going to be built with as, as much self-generating or self-sustainable materials as possible. Now, it's of course, we're going to have, I don't know, there might be a PVC pipe in there somewhere or something like that for maybe a connection of some kind or or whatever. Uh, You know, there there might be certain things, you know, we're going to have to break some eggs to to build this omelet, I'm sure. But in general, you know, we're really, really looking at every every piece of material and trying to build that living building um, style. So we're not going after any specific, like I'm not caring about, whether it's like passive house certified or lead certified sure. or, or living building challenge, but we're essentially doing that anyway. So I, right. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to spend too much money or energy on the actual certification right. um, because I don't, I don't feel that it, it validates or doesn't change anything for me. Um, I'd rather put the money and resource into growing the farm and into hiring more people for the farm um, into making better content. Um, that seems more uh, impactful anyway. Yep. I agree. And, and, and I think the average person who's going to build a house is just not going to take the time to do that anyway. So they're, they're already stressed enough. They already have enough job and enough right. work getting the house, getting the mortgage, doing all that stuff, you know, taking care of the kids or whatever it is that we're, we're doing it that way. So, yeah, I mean, and this house is, is a farmhouse. It's, it's, it's going to be, you know, it's a house that I'm going to invite lots of people to come and learn about farming, learn yep. about, you know, building ecological lifestyle, learn about uh, being a philanthropist and the entrepreneurial side of being a farmer. Right. Because I don't think farming is just uh, your ability to plant things. You, you have to sell it. You have to build a brand. You have to yep. attract people to the farm. You have to find a way to get to market, um, whether you're selling it online or in person. Like all of these things are, are skills that people need to understand. And so I would say that, you know, I've got a, a phenomenal group of people around me who are all participating in this community who have formed a co-op, a farmer's co-op alongside me um, that are also participating and bringing their genius and their talent to the table in such a powerful way. And that's the, that's the beauty of this all. Like, honestly, 
the most important piece for me beyond just the sustainability and, and the thing that kind of drives me is our our community, the people who I get to hang out with, the things I get, right? Like I had never really cut wood or built anything before. And then right. all of a sudden I have to install solar panels and build a whole <laughs> solar shed. And great, let's figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, it, and that's, it, I just feel like I'm, I'm growing up. I feel How like how many I'm, people are part of the co-op right now? Um, it's hard to say. I mean, like, you know, what I mean by that is like, there's always people who show le- different levels of interest sure. at different yep. periods of time. Um, but I would say that we are solid kind of 15, 16 people at the moment that are yep. very regularly showing up with maybe another like 15, 16 that are like regulars, but maybe I would say are one step removed from the co-op in, in a way, right? Like strong supporters, people will come multiple times a year, uh, but not necessarily join the co-op at this moment. And and it's because the co-op in and of itself or the farm in and of itself is not at a level of production uh, that is like financially supporting or kind of creating a, a full investment opportunity that that's ready for all of those people yet. Is, is um, there, is there an the opportunity point. to work locally with, with Montreal totally. for grants and, and sort of, or even, yeah. even investors in Montreal that, that see the, maybe not the potential, but see it as just a really interesting thing that can, you know, separate Montreal from, from other cities and kind of really be 100%. something, something really interesting. 100%. The problem with that is not that it's not possible. It's the the hardest part of doing that is that farming is a full, like is more than a full-time job. Right. Like actual, like if you have to take care of chickens every night, you have to put those chickens away so they don't, you know, get hurt by some predator. So it's doing that in balance with being a really good storyteller, right? Like yeah. essentially if you're going to grow and get grants and do all those things, you have to make business plans. You have to build beautiful videos and pitch decks and websites and all these things. So, you know, that's, that is challenging, right? Like for the average farmer, that's not the skill set that they normally have. And, and vice versa for the average entrepreneur, farming is not a skill set that you have. So right. I think it's the combination of those two things that makes this project so viable. I would say that I lean closer to the managerial, the, the entrepreneurial side of things, where my skill set lies is building community, building team, building tribe, finding talent, organizing that talent, and then making it happen. Uh, I'm not necessarily the best tomato grower, let's say, or the best sure, tree grower. Of course. Um, I participate in it every week, nonetheless, when, when I'm there and when it's not winter, of course. But the but the truth is that, you know, it, it requires all of those things, and that's not easy to do. Uh, getting grants is a question of getting, learning where the grants are. Then they're, they're, they're you know, have like 17 regulatory bodies. They all ask for different things. We're in a province that speaks French and English, so you have to translate <laughs> everything into two languages generally. Um, or at least I have to write it in English and then translate it in French because that's just, uh, I perform better that way. So, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot, a lot of moving parts and pieces, um, you know, to get organic certification requires uh, you know, a ton of time and energy and understanding. And you have to learn all this stuff and then prove that you're not using these things and those things and so on and sure. so forth. And and then if you do that, then of course you, you can apply for different grants or get different subsidies that are given to you because of your organic transition or certification. Right. So. Right. It's even. It's not even just the applying of for the grants. It's the what is the order, the process that you have to do this all in. And this is an incredibly difficult thing to do from somebody who did not grow up on a farm, right? right, I, right. This is. I grew up in suburbia. I grew up in like white picket fence, like like neighborhood, like you know what I mean. Like I grew up sure. in like the most normal, typical American dream style type of neighborhood. So farming to me is not something I understood. Now, luckily I have, you know, I come from Italian background and roots. 
my what I, you know my grandparents my my no 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 on both sides of the family <laughs> they 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 still like even my grandmother to this day 96 97 years old is is her still farming a like a big garden she's come on incred- i swear she's incredibly incredibly effective she grows a ton of tomatoes a ton of lettuce a ton of um peppers a ton of everything and she still hand makes her pasta like it's unbelievable what you know people have been able to do but it, unless you grew up with it unless you were you were exposed to it unless there, you were taught it essentially and had the education of something like this it's incredibly difficult to do and so this is this is the movement that i believe Valhalla is addressing we are close enough to the city that you can yep. go right back to your condo living downtown apartment but at the exact same time be exposed to a farm that is not only a farm but it's cool it, there, there's a farmers and the people there have the time to t- answer your questions the time to support you and are focused less on like how much we can grow to make as much money as possible and focus more on the actual movement that goes behind it as well as building the farm that is financially viable and, and growing a ton of food and able to feed 150 you know people or 30 families like full year round right yeah so, yeah you know, for sure it's no easy feat so is the is the idea to eventually have it be sustainable in the fact that the farm can feed itself right feed the people on it but also also build a brand where you can sell right to people like whether in montreal or other parts of canada or new york or vermont right like is the idea to also build build a brand to where you can sell whether it's like online or in physical stores yeah okay yeah oh absolutely yeah i mean look our from a farm perspective we want to sell everything within 50 kilometers yeah okay and i'll I'll even say like we want to sell everything probably within like 25 kilometers of the farm honestly (laughs) sure and and i don't think that that's a, a big issue because we're we're less than 25 kilometers away from downtown montreal yeah. So, you know, we've got a chain of restaurants, for example, that's interested in buying um, a ton of our production, if, if not all our production, if we were to grow the, the things that we would do uh, that he needs on a regular basis. Because he, he runs a chain of restaurants, a small chain of restaurants called uh, Couteau, and um, they have 13 locations, I believe. And so and it's a tartar restaurant, you know, all over kind yeah. of the Montreal area. So, yeah, he you know, he says, hey, I, I buy these 20 skews, meaning these 20 um idioms these 20 you know vegetables uh every week uh can you supply me this and if you can then i'll I'll buy it all so our i believe that we can we can find a couple of restaurants that would basically pick up everything yeah uh, I mean, and then 1.7 million people in montreal i mean that's a lot oh, you know, that's that's a that's a that's a that's enough to sustain you guys right like oh, if oh, they were all absolutely. bought in Oh, absolutely. And in the area, the physical area where this is, is, is growing immensely. The number of condos and the, the number of farmers market, like everything in the so area. So the land, I mean, the land growing. alone that you bought was just a great purchase. In oh, general. yeah. You know, I mean, look, from a, from a financial perspective, this was a, there was many bets that I thought were, were going to be incredibly impactful. Number one, the real estate, super close to city center, regardless of what I do with the farm, you know, I believe that the city will eventually expand in this direction. So, 100%. you know, there's so many things yeah. that go with that. And, and, and that has been happening the second is uh, legalization of marijuana i figured yep. that one day the you know we, we might be able to uh, farm marijuana it's not the case yep. now but you know it's not to say that we were we're gonna do it or not but I, I think that that was an interesting opportunity at least carbon farming is the other one mm. right carbon okay. taxes is going to be a thing uh we've already passed laws in canada about carbon taxes but we haven't implemented them yet um but people are going to pay 
right? The price of carbon is going to be something that in the future we are going to pay for. Whether we pay for it just ecologically and, and through climate change right. um, is one thing, but I think we're going to pay for it financially through a tax. And so those who are carbon you know, positive, those who are, are essentially sequestering carbon into the ground are going to receive those taxes uh, as long as they can prove it. And proving it is going to be some form of calculation, like how big are your trees? How old are they? How long, how many of them do you have? What's the density of trees that you have? So on and so forth. Well, you're going to benefit from being carbon positive, or at least at least save yourself the burden of those taxes uh, on a farm level or individual level. So, which which is amazing. And then um, the other thing was just uh, the the way that it's located. There, there's a highway there, and between the two exits on the highway, there's like ten kilometers. Uh, and so I know that one day they're going to build an, an exit right where we are, and, uh -huh. and that's going to blow up the real estate in our area. I figured also farmland values would, were undervalued and were going to go up. Uh, I think food prices are dra dramatically going to go up. I think you know we're going to have massive shortages. I mean, it only takes a few years of drought in California to, to jack up all food prices across the board. I knew that the organic movement was going to be much bigger, and and turns out I'm right. So so. I mean, realistically, there were so many factors that I knew were going to play out. And the real reason I'm able to uh, to take advantage of this and, and our farm is able to take advantage of this is because we're just we're approaching life and, and this business from a long term perspective view. Yep. Right. It's just to me, sustainability means that you are considering longer term decisions and your viability of your decisions over a larger scale. Yep. Now. Is that scale yep. 100 years? Is that scale yep. 10 years? I mean, put it this way. If that scales more than like a few months or like next quarter, as most, you know, uh, businesses operate, yep. uh, maybe some, you know, really good businesses operate a year or two out, let's say, you know, if you can, if you can expand that timeline, you are drastically shifting your mentality. You are drastically shifting the way that you invest in your community, the way you hire talent, the way you build, um, and it changes the game. And so that's, that's an opportunity that I knew was there and, and, I just had to be willing to not be a typical millennial and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to invest now and just travel the world and do the thing. And guess what? I did that anyway. Right. I did that anyway. I've been to, all, I've been to every continent uh, on the planet other than our, Antarctica at this point. I've, I've, I've traveled. <laughs> no, seriously. So, and, and I've done that through, through the work that I've created and done over the years. And I've done that because I built things like the Highland Superior Academy. Because people were like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. I would love to know more. Right? And if I, if I hadn't, I wouldn't be on this podcast. Right? right. So. So I, it is such a blessing for me in so many ways to participate in what I believe to be the solution for me, right? And, and look, I, I believe the solution could be viable for a ton of people. I'm not here to preach or say, this is sure. what you have to do or not do. I just believe that there's an opportunity. And if you want to seize it, then this is how. So when will the house be done? Uh, hopefully this year, right? <laughs> the, that's the, I mean, I say only hopefully because the, the finances are there, the, the, the team is, is being Put in place and formed and it's just a question of getting our permits um which in our case because we're building a farmer's house we thought we are uh, filing under the exemption of um building this this house for farm labor and and then, and it's exactly what we're we're doing and that's that's the exact intention of what we're we're doing it, it's built with the there's basically an exemption that says you could take agricultural land and if you are a farmer or you're building a home for farm labor, then you have the opportunity of building a house directly on land that you wouldn't have been able to uh, build on otherwise, right? So it's not residential without dezoning it or rezoning it, essentially, mm -hmm. right?
Mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, we, we fully intend on building the farm. I mean, we're doing it now, right? But right. if we had a house there, we would be significantly more effective. We would have more refrigeration. We would have better power. We'd have better internet. We, we would probably attract more people. I mean, we, we can, oh, we can uh, you know, house more people who will yeah. be like temporary or kind of semi, semi-temporary. I mean, labor. you could just be sustainable off like Airbnb, right? Like sure. people come stay and kind of learn oh, 100%. immerse themselves in, yeah. in all the education and even the visuals, right? Because I, I mean, and then Montreal, right? You have it right there. So I think it's, it's just a great, it's a great location to kind of get people that, like you said, are not sort of like farmers, right? Or even absolutely people who understand organic or people who understand sustainability, like they can easily just drive up, learn, right? And, and understand sort of what's different out there and, and understand what food means when, when they put it in their bodies, right? It's like, what, why should I eat like this, right? Well, here's the benefits of, of eating stuff with non-pesticides, right? Well, um, and that's the thing that people, like, you know, you said Airbnb, I'll, I'll go a step further. It's mentorship. I, I don't 100%. even plan on, you know, doing yeah. Airbnb so much yeah. as we, we, I have done through Superhero Academy, and this is why I built Superhero Academy, is for the mentorship purposes of it, right? The yep. fastest way for me to grow yep. an organization is to, to have a good training system but rather than having to pay people to train them i had to find people who are self-motivated willing to show up and do the work and if they went through the training program then then they're the perfect person to hire and that's exactly how i've built everything that i've done and 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 the other thing i realized is every eco village i was visiting all the permaculture farms i had visited all the different places i was going to each and every one of those farms was making equal if not more money doing teaching and mentorship than yep. they were doing uh, the actual farming itself well i'm sure so i saw it as a viability issue as well yeah i'm sure there's some amazing universities too in montreal and like teaming oh, up sure. with them to to come and, and have yep. whether it's a course or, or yeah yep. pay you to have some type of you yep. know credit system or something like that i mean yeah the options are un- unlimited really once you have Exactly. The structure built and, and then you have things there that people can and land can that people can test things on like of course, literally absolutely. as a research center and so, so this is exactly that we are a modern day research center we i, I really believe we're, we're in a sense building a university campus i that's I, what it sounds like yeah I, I mean like the way i see it is it, it's it's kind of that's what we're building like yeah. i i really do think that it, it, it's going to have integrated housing. I mean, it's going to follow all the rules of being a farm and all those things. And, and, and it's going to be a university based on that. that, that but it's just a, it's just a new campus. way to get a new generation into it, farming, right? Which is a huge problem because yep. I, I think it's like 80% or 85% of farmers are 55 plus. Yep. Do you get what I mean? Like 55 totally. plus. It means in the next 10 years, almost all farmers are basically going to retire. And so that that's pretty wild. Like that's, that's a, that's an odd, a lot of people entering the farming world. And, and how many, you know, how many 27 year olds are lining up at the bank saying, Hey, can I get a half million dollar loan yeah. so that I can get two tractors and go, you know, farm corn and soya, which is a massively challenging sure. thing to do with, with fluctuating prices and, and all the things that go on with the, you know, China trade war and blah, 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 right. and make the price skyrocket and then sometimes make it sink to the floor. Look, it, it's absolutely absurd to think that any individual currently and, and, and you know, who, in terms of millennials want to get into this. And, and then at the less and less farmers we have, the less and less people who grew up around a farm, the less and less knowledge we have. So this mm-hmm. knowledge is, be, is not being transferred. It's being lost. There's no real good university program that teaches farming because farming is a skill that is mentorship-based, right? Like if you want to be a phenomenal electrician, you'll learn from electricians. Yes, you can go to school and do some things, 
but you're only as good as your ability to have done jobs and experiences and dealing with the real world. Sure, I can tell you how to put it, pull together a circuit board or whatever it is, or you know, build a circuit, electrical circuit um, in a lab with you know all perfect conditions. But what happens when you go into the house and there's a bunch of mold when you rip out the wall? Like what? what now what? Right? Like right, what happens right. when the wires are all old and you have to you're piecing together old wires with new wires and and you know so so skill mentorship is the most important thing that you can do and invest in individually. And it's the most important way that we can transfer knowledge powerfully. And, and I just don't believe in a system where we have people graduating as lawyers who have never walked into a law firm. And, and that just sounds absurd to me. It seems, you know, I would never hire, who would hire the lawyer who just came out of school, like for, to do sure. their law? Like would, would, right. if I was on trial for anything, would I hire the person who just came out of school or I'm going to hire the person who has years of experience? And obviously the answer is years of experience. And, and it's just because the person who came out of school, unfortunately, doesn't know how to practice law, quite literally. Right. When we talk about farm, right, and farming, what, pardon my ignorance, right, is mm-hmm. that what can you farm in outside of Montreal, right? Oh, like what, all because, kinds of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so we're, we're in what a, a climate, what is known as a zone 5B. Okay. okay. So zones are the, the the lower the number, the the colder the environment. So like zone one is like a Arctic tundra, basically, uh, <laughs> and then it, you know it goes from there. Okay. Five B, you can grow everything from like apples, plums, pears, peaches. Some peaches, uh, you can grow like you're not growing anything citrus, so you're not doing like sure. um, oranges, banana trees, or or orange exact oranges, or or you know uh, pineapple, anything of that nature. You're not growing anything like that. Uh, uh, you could potentially in greenhouses, but it, sure. you know, it's not, let, let's say, ideal for that. Could you do it but in I Earthship? Mean, yeah, you could. You could. Definitely. <laughs> no, seriously. You I just wanted to say Earthship again. Yeah. No, definitely. In, in fact, Earthships are known for the fact that you can grow bananas in your in your, you know, in your greenhouse uh, year round. That's kind of like one of their their talking points. But the, the idea of that, it, 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 you could, but it's not effective, right? So meaning right. it's going to take way longer. You, you want to grow things that are significantly more effective. But Everything you would normally find at a market, kale, uh, tomatoes, mm. cucumbers, uh, I don't know, what else, what do you, sell? I mean, anything a restaurant um, could use, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, whatever you'd put in your salad, basically we could grow. Okay. And then of course you could, you could do animals, right? You could have chickens and, 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 yeah. and pigs and, and uh, cows, I mean, whatever animal, goats, uh, all those things are, are, are doable. Beekeeping, uh, honey is, is something we do. Uh, in our case, we have chickens uh, for, for eggs. You know, so a, a, almost everything you could put in a salad uh, that I can think of, um, including all the herbs, uh, teas, uh, I mean, a very, very wide variety. The only difference is that you have a winter period. So in our case, we that deal with that. That was my next question. <laughs> yeah, is, well, that? is that a beast? I mean, look, Canada can get cold. I see it as an opportunity for me to take a break, right? It's yeah. like your body and your physical, mental, emotional state needs a break. Um, but in our case, we built... Uh, currently we have four 80 by 27, uh, long, uh, 80 feet long by 27 feet wide greenhouses, plus another two greenhouses, another, like basically like many, 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 many square feet of greenhouse. We can grow enough food year round, uh, to feed our entire community, even through the greenhouses and through conservation. And cause right. we, you know, when we have the harvest, we can obviously do transformation of the product. So take our tomatoes and turn it into tomato sauce, so on and so forth. So again, the goal for us is to get to 150 people can live year round with every calorie intake that they would need from this farm. That's the goal. 
And yeah. and we're we're well on our way to doing that. We we've done CSA baskets in the past, and, and we will do them again. Where basically CSA means community supported agriculture. Uh, so weekly, uh, you know, starting in let's say June until the end of harvest, kind of thing, and let's say October, people get a basket full of whatever is has been harvested that week, right? And so that can look like a ton of stuff. I mean, it could be again potatoes, carrots, beets. Uh, you name. I mean, you name it. Again, the only thing we are not growing is the avocados of the world, right? Sure. We're, we're sure. not California in that way, and California is definitely phenomenal, but in, in terms of growing, but it's it's not the same. Um, yeah. But we are doing. We're also doing lots of uh, fruits uh, as well, right? Uh, great, strawberries, great blueberries, grapes. blackberries, uh, grapes. Uh, you know, everything to build uh, wheat, uh, or whatever. I mean, you can. People can very easily, you know, sustain their life here, even with the cold. Canadian so universe. you mentioned before we, we started recording here that you had a family member that runs a winery in Vermont, yep. correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there a potential that you could ever do some type of small vineyard on the land? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah we will. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. No, I mean, look, I mean, the, 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 from like our farm to the winery is about an hour drive south okay okay so we're we're in the same we're basically in the same climate maybe the winery is like in a climate six instead of five b so five b and six is like like one degree difference basically almost um not even like on average so i mean we're talking very very similar uh climate and therefore the grapes that we have uh growing at the winery in vermont are very similar uh, or, or would totally thrive in the uh, Quebec environment as well. And so my father actually has grown and has participated in wineries f- uh, with grapes from Quebec. And in fact, they were growing grapes in Quebec and then shipping them down to Vermont in the first couple of years as well. So, um, yeah, no, the answer is yes, and and we will do it. It's 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 a question of when, right? It's sure, the just time. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, house it, first. It, it, house first. Well, yeah, house and, and the rest of the farm, right? Market gardening, yep. uh, the permaculture, establishing certain uh, verticals, um, just because it's, it's I don't want to say easier to do, but it, it's more important to do. And the, the soil has to be farmed for the grapes. Uh, we have to we have to have a very, the, the hardest part, honestly, is labor. We need to find the sure. talent to do this. And this is why I built Subiru Academy. Again, it's to find those talented people. Um, and not only the talented people who can work on the farm, but the talented people who can do great Instagram stories for us so that we can sell yep. our farm pro- product and attract 100%. more people to the farm. 100%. So it, it's all of those things need to come together. And, and here's what I'll say. It takes a village to build a village. Yeah. And so we're in the phase of finding that those villagers and building the first house for the villagers so that we can attract more villagers. If, if you want to see it that way. Yeah. Yeah. What's, I mean, again, part of my ignorance on this, but I, I guess that having uh, like far, can you, I mean, farming, Grapes. I mean, I, I guess, did you, have you learned anything from your dad about sort of just some elementary fundamentals of taking care of the land, right? Because I mean, even though it's just like, just grapes, there's still, I guess, farming that goes into a vineyard, correct? Oh, I mean, there has yeah, to be some sort of similarities yeah. between, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the number one lesson I've learned from my father when it comes to farming uh, is uh, the right tool for the job is the right way to do the job. Mm. And and there there is a massive competitive advantage of you not having to dig a trench, for example, with a shovel compared to digging a trench with a tractor, right? right? The cost savings of that, even if you have to rent it and not own it, which is really the more beneficial, I think, 
that is so massive, right? The right talent and the right person for the job is also massively ROI positive. ROI meaning, you know, return on investment. So, and also ripple of impact, I would say, the other ROI. Yep. But the yeah. but the idea of those principles apply to all farms. And then when it comes to grapes, it, you know, you have to deal with the birds. So when you when you have a big vineyard, you have to deal with uh, pests. And, and so every farm has to deal with pests in some way, shape or form. Uh, you know, and when you have a vineyard, uh, particularly it's more of a monoculture type thing because you're, you're building a nice, beautiful vineyard with all the same things over and over and over again. Right. Uh, you know, different grape varieties, but they're all still grapes. Uh, then you get, uh, uh, you know, little pests and little bugs that, that show up. And then you have to, some in some cases, spray for those. Even if you're doing an organic spray, uh, you need to figure out how to do that. You have to put netting sometimes to keep away the birds. Um, you have to make sure the soil is good. You have to train the the plant to grow up onto the vineyard and get off the ground so that the animals aren't uh, coming and that they're not rotting. The fruit itself is not huh. rotting. So, that, I mean, look, there is so many details to farming anything and it's incredibly incredibly impactful uh to learn those details and to make that happen it, it really 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 requires you to to have spent time with others who have done this before and if you're going to do it on your own like we did and, and uh, i've made every mistake you can think of um <laughs> uh, like when that's and, good and, though and, man. and, that, and there's so much more thing. oh oh man yeah but it's sometimes like i'll, I'll give you an example last year um at the beginning of the year, we, we got a green, our first greenhouse up, right? Yeah. And um, and and was it last year? No, it was the year before. No, it was last year. Sorry. So we we got one of our bigger, well, not our first greenhouse because the Earthship was that, but one of our bigger green, our first big greenhouse was up. We we put it, and then we hadn't done the ends of the greenhouse yet. So we put the tarp on. We did all these arches. I mean, we're talking like this is a monster greenhouse. We get ninety kilometer an hour winds. That's that's close to like fifty miles an hour, fifty five miles yep. an hour. Let's say okay. 55 mile an hour winds rip out the greenhouse out of the ground because we had not put the ends on it. So it, it ripped it, even though it was open from one end to the other. So the air could flow right through it. Right. The greenhouse got ripped out of the ground. You know how much time that set us yeah, back? Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. That's not yeah. Good. And, then, and then, okay, this year we get all the greenhouses up, right? So now we have four big greenhouses and then we get two massive snowfalls. And all of a sudden uh, the, 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 the snow had accumulated so high on the greenhouse that it was starting to fall off, but eventually it wasn't falling off. So it sagged the whole greenhouse. Yeah, it was like, yeah. so then we had to go and shovel all the snow next to it. I mean, I'm talking like feet of snow, like six feet of snow that we had to shovel away from the greenhouse so that it, it wouldn't collapse the greenhouses or wouldn't damage our, our, our you know, the, the plastic tarp. So is there a way it. to build, is there a way to build to prevent that? Well, sort of. I mean, I mean, possibly, but then you have to require a ton more money and, and blah, blah, sure, blah. Obviously, sure, you can sure. do it non-plastic greenhouses with glass and blah, blah, blah. There's all kinds of things. You can have a better heating system that would, dry, you know, melt the snow mm, further right. and then pull the snow right. away. Uh, also incredibly expensive, obviously. Um, and then beyond that, it's like, hey, when it first started snowing, we could have been out there shoveling it like inch by inch, right? Like every time there was an, another three inches on the ground, we could go out there and shovel it and make the job easier. Um, again, we had to learn these things, right? So this is a, literally, this is a lesson that we were learning all week this week, quite <laughs> like I'm talking a week. Think about a week of shoveling, not like, oh, you're brutal, man. Oh, no, that's, that's brutal. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's real, dude. It is brutal. People, I, I had somebody hugged me yesterday. They're like, man, you're strong. And I'm like, 
they're like, you work out a lot? I'm like, no, I farm. I shovel snow a lot. <laughs> no, I, I already said, yeah, I farm. <laughs> I I'm, just, farm. I'm yeah, a yeah. farmer. I've got a farmer's um, uh, the strength. New, the and, new, and the new fitness plan, farm. Do, it, Do you need to make fitness DVDs? Fitness you need the fit, fitness fit, plan of the future yeah. is farming. Fitness 100%. YouTube channel for the farming. It, it will work. Absolutely. Well, put it this way. You're, you're, double, it's, you're taking care of two elements at the same time, diet and yeah. exercise. Right, you, by farming, you're 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 going to ensure yourself to having a better diet. Well, I don't want to say ensure, but you you're obviously on the path to having a better diet. I, there's very rarely farmers who are growing, you know, a bunch of produce and then at the same time are eating McDonald's every day. Um, yeah. the, so so there's that, and then and then yeah, just the physicality of farming, being out there. I mean, you know, Montreal, like people have this perception that somehow Montreal is is, is cold all the time, and, and that's what people think of Canada. Look, man, it gets 100 degrees Fahrenheit here, okay, wow. in, in July and for, for like two months. Like, it, or I wouldn't say it's 100 degrees all the time, but it, sure. you know, it, it, with the humidity. It's pretty high, with, yeah. With, it's because of the humidity here, too. So you can get really hot, man, when you're out there in July. And, and, and oh, yeah, you, man. Remember, you yeah. got to consider the days get really long, up, you know, the further north you go. So you get lots of sunshine and you get beaten down by that sun. It's powerful. It's powerful here. So it, it, it is a massively grueling but very rewarding job and 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 lifestyle and and it definitely you know the healthiest choice i've ever made uh for for everything uh for my body for my for my yeah. community you know for my social emotional spiritual um and i think even financial um opportunity and and, and i don't think that financial opportunity is just in growing tomatoes i think it's in the real estate it's in all the things that go with this 100 well. percent yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. What's one more one more thing, real quick? When we go back to to the farming thing, is there something that you think the farm will, will sort of specialize in, or be like, good, yeah. like this is the go to thing that either local restaurants come to you for, or consumers eventually come to you for? Yeah, yeah. I I would really really like to do a farm to table restaurant. So I think they're going to come for our food more than just the the ingredients. I, I think that we're going to have yeah, phenomenal chefs and stuff over time. Uh, yeah. This is a part of a longer term plan, right? That we have to build a transformation center and then get the permits, blah, blah, blah. But it, it's yeah. all in the plan. Um, you know, legally, step by step, we're going to move our way in that direction. Uh, so that, you know, I think we're going to have like a phenomenal pizzeria, for example, which we already have a pizza oven. We do pizzas pretty, you know, we used to do it every Saturday. Now we do many Saturdays. Um, so uh, I think we're going to have phenomenal eggs. We're going to be known for our eggs and, and uh, year year after year that we've grown eggs. Uh, they've sold out and people love them all the time. Garlic. I think we're going to grow a mm. ton of garlic. Uh, we're, we're, we planted many, 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 many rows of garlic this year. And I think we're we're planning on like every year doubling for for the foreseeable future, the amount of garlic. And then I see I see us also probably be, being much uh, a nursery. Uh, so I think we're going to rather than just the food, we're going to sell the plant that grows the food. Ooh, interesting. Um, okay. You okay. know, which is a totally different game of economics, right? Like, Think about it. If I have to, yeah. it's so much more risky for me to have to grow the plant uh, or sorry, the, the, the fruit and hope that I plant the thing and then it yields the fruit versus right. growing the plant and then just selling the plant. So, um, and given our proximity to the city, uh, we have proximity and, and relationships with, with um, local garden centers and so on and so forth. So that we, I believe can supply those garden centers um, because many of them, you know, uh, uh, tend to order from very far distances, right? Like many of the plants that come to a garden center, for example, that I know is a few kilometers, like, I don't know, three or four kilometers away from us, they order all the way from Ontario, right? Like, so we're talking like hundreds of kilometers away. So if they right. can get a sourcing from a few kilometers away, then uh, plus have the overspill over of like 
not having to hold all their inventory at uh, their location, but being able to have some of that inventory in our greenhouses at the farm and then come and get it when they need it. Um, that is a huge cost savings to them. So there's a massive efficiencies. There's a real game of economics and, and entrepreneurship. There's a ton of cool uh, oh, revenue yeah. streams. I mean, there's so many oh, interesting dude. things you could do. It's, it's really, it's really awesome. I, I oh, mean, it's, it's the just, fundamental of life. It's, Every it's day so you eat. Cool. Yeah. Right. Totally, every man. day you eat. Yep. Period. I mean, like, unless you're fasting or whatever, but you get what I mean. Like, the the sure. idea is, every single person on the planet eats. Every single person on the planet sits around a dinner table and 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 enjoys a, a, a salad and a, and a steak and a bottle of wine or whatever it is. Yep. And, you know, if they're vegan or whatever, it doesn't. You, know, you get the point. Sure. The, the idea is that every single person participates in this thing, and so few of us know where it's coming from, how it's being done, know anything about it. But I, I believe that that's a trend that is is changing. I believe that there's going to be more and more and more people really looking to make this um, uh, lifestyle switch and change yep. and participate in this, and and that's important. Well, Mark, I appreciate it, man. It's uh, it's been a really really cool journey to see you go on. Like I, I remember, you know, I think it was a few years ago we first initially talked, right? Like kind of when you were, yeah, first had the seeds for for a lot of this stuff, <laughs> pun intended. Yeah. Yeah, and, no, uh, totally. and, um, you know, it, it's, it's really, I mean, I can't wait to see what the next, you know, five years bring even decade, because it's going to be, I think it's going to be sort of this, this pillar sort of evidence piece, right, of, of how other cities or communities around the country around the world can sort of figure out a way to sort of duplicate something like this. And it all, it all starts with the land, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's I mean, you were just so you just the vision was the, the vision was just so impeccable, right? Like the, you have to have that first, because like you said, I'll link to the video you showed, like in the beginning where you kind of, you walked around the the land and stuff like that. Yeah. It's called humble it, beginnings. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I, I think it, it takes somebody with vision to really look at that and be like, this can be something incredible. Right. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, kudos to you, man. I, I think it's, it's going to be something spectacular because, everything you've done up to this point, I think has really prepared you from oh, uh, the, totally. you know, the entrepreneur standpoint, the marketing standpoint, the branding. Yeah. Now, now we understand how to, how the, I understand really how to it, do get, this, getting into the dirt and the weeds of all of it. Again, another pun, but like that, understanding how that works oh, is everything, right? Because you, once you, you understand how and I had to have some PTSD, <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing, man. I, I'm in the weeds all the time physically and literally you know i know I mean? man it's, it, but yeah. that's so important to understand how things work because yeah. then it allows you to go out and really sell it to the world in in a positive yeah. way right and, yeah and i think when you go and talk to restaurants or wholesalers or customers you're going to be able to speak to it unlike you know a, a salesman would right it's not going to it's not going to come off as like weird and, and shady it's going to be Absolutely. Uh, it's going to be I'll so speak their language authentic, and, yeah, and at the same just, time speak speak the economics that make this all make sense for them as well you know yeah. and, and i think that that's important to do uh yeah it, look it's so multi-layered it's incredible it's the most challenging thing i've ever done uh by far by a landslide uh and and yet it's the most rewarding and i'm really excited to continue to scale farm and continue to scale the, the movement around what farming means to to our generation and um and I just know that this is the most important work that I could be doing at the moment. So I'm I'm really excited about it. I sometimes hate it, but honestly, that, that's like every, anything. Honestly, sure. everything I've oh, ever yeah. done, there's, there's beauty and, and 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 sadness in it all. But it's incredibly impactful, fun, 
and and, and exciting. Well, it's beautiful, man. It's a beautiful thing, and I, and I look forward to to all the success coming forward. And and I appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me. For those who want to know more, you can visit our website. We have new websites coming out, so they should be coming out. You know, maybe maybe by the time you're listening to this, they're already <laughs> out. Um, but yeah, you know, check it out. I'm sure the links are somewhere yep. here. And thanks we'll so like much it. for uh, for having me on.